I want my chips with a dip, that's all I know. I don't want my chips plain, I want my chips with a dip. So bring them this. Right, we're coming to you on an easy Sunday afternoon like we usually do. We always come in with the easy Sunday listens, I'd say. Today, we are in the midst of the start of the NCAA tournament. Pretty entertaining, to say the least. Uh, I know our brackets aren't looking great, but you know what? Whose is this year? Hey, speak for no- yourself. I'm second in the group, bro. Uh, second of our group, but I don't know what that really means in the long run. Nationally, we're not looking good. (laughs) I don't give a shit about nationally. I got money on the line up and personal with the group. So I'm worried about that, bud. We all do. We all should My bracket sucks, so I'm not paying. No, you're definitely paying. (laughs) That's what the rules are every year for me. No, no, you have to pay. (laughs) You have to pay, sir. No. No. Okay, look, I already abolished the buy-in for fantasy this year because of how fucked up the scoring system is. I abolished yeah, but, that. Yeah, but we're we're coming down the stretch here and I feel like we're starting to, the good teams are starting to separate. No, I've just no, there's no money involved in fantasy anymore. But NCAA tournament, this there's money on the line, but you better pay up or we're gonna come break your kneecaps. Oh God. Well, it didn't <laughs> seem like uh, Ohio State had any money on the game that they were playing in their very first seeding game because uh, they looked pretty... They were rough. They were rough. I think well, this team, honestly, was just tired. What if they played us all and they just bet on themselves to lose and then they blew the game? Wow. I would hope not. That's some mafia shit right there. And it'd be a it's better, better result. Shaving points. <laughs> it'd be a better result than what we got, dude. Jesus Christ. Mm. But it is what it is. Um... That's not why we're here today. (laughs) No, not definitely not. But there's been some not bad games. I feel like I've been watching at least the last two days. I've been watching more of that basketball than I have of NBA. So, well, hey, something to think about tonight. We got Blazers versus Mavericks round two. Round two. I know. Actually, it's like the third game of the season, but Portland just got the win on them again. I think Portland's like 2-0 in the season. Collecting the win again tonight. We're going for the season sweep because we got Dallas figured out. Dallas figured out. I don't know, man. Luca's been hot. You just got to start executing late in the game. Seems like he uh, loses a little bit in the fourth quarter. Luca's only that Clippers killer. He's not a Dame Lillard killer. Oh, get out of here. Dame Lillard <laughs> off the pick and roll, though. The high pick and roll above the key. Oh, man. my gosh. Oh, fucking God. It's, it's just like just, as soon as he turns that corner, he's got that butter, open dude. look. It is, it is fucking butter every time. I'm just like, holy shit. 
he gets a half step inside that screen and he's just he's already got it off his fingertips like he's that quick at getting that shot off it's so impressive yep i love dame for it he's like him and cj both are they both excel at that Mm -hmm. they definitely do i'm so glad cj is back he had 32 points the other night you see that yeah yeah he's putting up numbers yeah, ready. so there's definitely been, been some ready. good basketball, whether it's uh, NCAA tourney or uh, NBA, but we're definitely here for uh, for a special, special NBA player. <laughs> a special friend of ours. He doesn't yeah, know for, we're friends, but we definitely are. He's a, a spiritual, metaphorical friend of the podcast. <laughs> metaphorical. Quite a few of those. Yeah, yeah, quite a few. Uh, definitely. Robert Covington, handful of others, so... But yeah, that's yep. uh, Kyle Lowry. We are here for Kyle Lowry today because Kyle Lowry, coveted NBA point guard, definitely underrated. But this guy, you know, when it comes champion. down to it, he's an NBA champion. He's and a champ. Years on years of effort came down to him getting that chip. And that's kind of what we were, I believe we hyped this up in the last episode that we recorded. We were talking a little bit about how it'd be fun to look back on Kyle Lowry. So here we are. Here we are about to load up on some of his personal history. And to keep it topical, we're also looking at where he's going to be traded because we're thinking a couple of different destinations here. If Toronto doesn't get cold feet at the last second because they have options right now. If Toronto doesn't get cold feet or if the teams that are pursuing him are willing to give up what Toronto wants back to. I know. So. I think that uh, I think that Oklahoma City has completely shifted the dynamic of NBA trades this like this generation, don't you think? Yep. Because now everybody's like, I feel like Houston's playing at the hardest right now. They're like, well, no, we want we want draft capital. We want all the insane amount of draft capital. Two first round picks for I don't know PJ Tucker. Like yeah. that's ridiculous. Well, and then like you got to think like with Toronto. I mean, if I was them, I'd be expecting some James Harden level shit. Because think about it, Lowry's at least a champion. Harden's got all these fucking numbers, but Lowry's a proven playoff player and a proven champion. So it's like Leader. if I'm Toronto, I'm expecting a first and a second, maybe two firsts, uh, a solid young piece. Uh, you keep iterating the fact that they probably are going to want a big. Um, mm-hmm. But we can definitely dive into the prospective trades um, after we uh, kind of take the dive into his past. Uh, but I'd definitely say things are heating up allegedly with Miami. So we'll talk about that. And then we have a few other uh, uh, destinations I want to throw at you here to see uh, see what we think about it. But uh, why don't we go ahead and look at uh, a little bit of the history lesson here, man. <laughs> Back to the history lessons again. I know it's the fun thing to do, right? So we'll keep it topical here. We'll talk about Kyle Lowry's success in the NCAA tournament here. Um, little known facts. I don't know if a lot of people know he went to Villanova, which is... Overall, pretty damn good basketball school. I mean, they've got some pretty good products that have came out of there. We have some couple current pretty good NBA players that went to Villanova and have won championships in the last couple of years. Kyle Lowry didn't win a championship with them, but you know he had some pretty good runs with them. Um, they went to the NCAA tournament in both both of his seasons. He only played there for two years, and they lost to that Florida team. Many of us are around here are going to be familiar with that because that Florida team took out the Ohio State Buckeyes in the national championship game in 2006, I believe. Oof. Yeah, so this was a stacked, stacked Florida Gators team with Corey Brewer, Al Horford, and Joakim <laughs> Noah. 
this team was running shit back in the day. This, these guys ran it in college basketball during this like mid 2000, 2010s, you know, or 2000s, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, they were running shit back then. Two national championships for this team. And that's just what Kyle Lowry had to go up against and never really quite made it over them. But, you know, it's kind of, it's just funny to see. I had no idea that uh, Jay Wright was the coach back in at Villanova then. He's been there for about 20 years. So that actually kind of surprised me. I figured he was a newer coach for Villanova, but no, like uh, he'd been there for a while. And hmm. it's just interesting to see that Villanova has just had this good pedigree of guards that have came out of their schools because um, Dante DiVincenzo, He's a decent. He's a decent guard. Plays for Milwaukee. We also have uh, Eric Pascal for the for the Warriors. He went to Villanova. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Hart, Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brunson, a bunch of good guys. A bunch of good yeah. rotational guys. A lot of alumni out. there. Exactly. So I think this is like should be their their marquee player. Obviously, is Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry's a dog, but you know they just have some good pedigree there. Mm-hmm. And then moving into the NBA here, um, you know, I actually didn't even look up when he was drafted or if he was, dra- I would imagine that he was, he shot 44% from three in college his senior seasons or his sophomore season. So I would imagine they were, he was coveted. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. 24th overall. So he was a late round pick by the Memphis Grizzlies. It's kind of funny. I wonder if that was like uh, before the John Hollinger era. You know, I think it was. I think it was because this was 2006. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, I don't know who they're. Hmm. Just had to look into that. But uh, yeah, so he comes into the NBA with the Grizzlies. Now, see, this was interesting too because he played against... He was a rookie... The same year as Rudy Gay. And Rudy mm. Gay played for Connecticut and they were kind of like rivals not in college. Mm. So that's funny. They both went to the same team. So that was pretty stacked young Memphis team. It would have been funny had Kyle Lowry like worked out more in Memphis because hit, adding him into that grit and grind mentality, mm-hmm. uh, Memphis Grizzlies would have been crazy. Like yeah. having him as the six-man point guard off the bench behind Conley or even if he was better than Conley, I think, personally, I think he's better than Conley. Just running but, some fucking hard pick and roll and just fucking... Right. That dog, that been dogs on defense. Exactly. And I mean, of course, we know he didn't. He only played for Memphis for two and a half seasons. And then he went to Houston. He actually played one season in Houston where they went to the playoffs. So he made the playoffs mm-hmm. his first year in Houston. And then of course, yeah. And then of course, he was traded to the six, his home, where he calls home now, where he is now a legend, where he's crowned king, crowned king of Brampton, Kyle Lowry. It's just crazy to me that they they won a championship. Aside of all his history and everything, it's just crazy to me that he finally came out on top because the Toronto Raptors just were nothing when he joined them. And that's my issue with like the narrative is I don't think the dude gets enough respect for what he did that season. And honestly, he was the number one point guard in the league that year. Like, I mean, arguably when it comes down to it, he was the one that took, he was the starting point guard for the championship team. So yeah, he has to be in the top three conversation. I'm sorry, dude. You win the chip as a real part of that team. No, you're the best. You're the, you're the best point guard of that season. Hands down. And 
And what's funny too is that everybody wanted to crown Kwai, us included. We all wanted to crown Kwai for being, you know, the dynasty, the dynasty killer and everything. Kwai doesn't get that done without that culture having already been set and that right? core already been there. All they, they needed, needed was a it. piece, right? They needed that big Kwai Leonard piece, that small forward that fit into their system perfectly. Like, yeah. ugh, it's just. It yeah. sucks. The, Lowry doesn't get enough respect for any of that. Well, long before Kawhi Leonard was ever considered to go to Toronto, before he did get shipped to Toronto, you had two guys that were the core part of this Toronto Raptors team. For years and years, seven years in the East, they ran together. Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Mm-hmm. These two seem to be un- inseparable. I know we're both fans of both these players. DeMar DeRozan's an awesome player who's kind of almost rejuvenated his career down in San Antonio. But for years, these guys were these guys were competing in the East. Granted, they didn't get off to the the great start that they always wanted. You know, like they went down in the playoffs early in their careers a couple of times. Like they lost to Paul Pierce and the Nets, like their, their first year in Toronto going to the playoffs. Paul Pierce made a cold-blooded walk-off shot to win the series in game seven. That was, ugh. I remember being a young NBA fan and I was so hyped. It it makes me sick, but like I was so <laughs> hyped for like the the Warriors and the Raptors. I was hyped for the Raptors more so than the Warriors, but I thought the Warriors were cool because they were a young team that was coming up. But yeah, now I'm just like, ugh. like I can't even believe I just I, that, those were the two teams I was watching back in the day. It's tough to stomach now. I know, and the, this was like the last LeBron years too in Miami. Right. So like, I was sick of LeBron. Mm-hmm. Ugh, how little did I know? <laughs> LeBron was the bad guy of me back then. Yeah, well, how the tables have turned. Indeed, it's just crazy, but. Golden State, it's funny to bring up Golden State because I kind of think that Golden State is the Western iteration of Toronto because they have homegrown talent, you know. Mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry wasn't wasn't completely established in Toronto, but he definitely made himself a big part of their culture there and arguably is their culture, you know. Like right, Help, helped and, create that culture. Exactly. Him and DeMar and also their entire coaching staff behind them. Like Nick Nurse had been a part of the organization for years before he was a head coach. And like, there's just, a lot you know, of guys that have come out of that staff. Exactly. Exactly. And it's to me, it just reminds me of Golden State in every way, even though, yes, they were not the championship winning world beaters that Golden State ended up becoming this monsters level threat. But they just had all this homegrown talent that you love to see come up. And like, I mean, DeRozan was drafted there. Norm Powell, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, Terrence Ross, Freddie Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Pascal, Spicy P. And then they also got Ibaka in the long run too. This was just a perfectly balanced team Gasol. all put together. Got the yeah, last Gasol. few good years out of Gasol. Yeah, I know. They got like the last three quarters of a season for that championship run from Gasol. Good play. Oh, dude, come season. on. He played pretty good that whole season. Get the fuck out of here. He did, but and last season too, but he's been okay for the Lakers. He's been okay. It's pretty rough. He's uh slow. But point aside, this Toronto Raptors team, they just, you know, they they went years and years and years not getting any playoff success. Granted, they were getting two, three rounds in, and then three years in a row, they run into a man by the name of LeBron James. LeBron James on his second stint in Cleveland 
a man possessed by a desire to win for a city that he felt he spurned in the wrong way and got his business done. And the Toronto Raptors had to compete with that. A guy that you just don't beat in the playoffs unless it's in the finals. You just don't beat LeBron. And they were never going to do it. Um, like I, Like we had talked about before, I believe this was the 2015 NBA playoffs. The Toronto Raptors were up. No, they made the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe, 2015. And they were down 2-0. Two games in Cleveland, of course. All right, so you drop those. You want to get one for momentum, but if you're down 2-0, it's not a complete lost cause. They steal one. what did they do? They steal... Well, they didn't steal one, but they went back home after being down 2-0. And then they get one. And then they start to think, you know what? We're pretty hyped up. We're feeling pretty good about ourselves. We're feeling like this might be our year. We can keep up with these guys. Little did they know the next three seasons. 12 and one. LeBron James record against the Toronto Raptors the next three seasons. Rest in peace. (laughs) You're grabbing one win. It's over. And it was over for what felt like ages for them. What do we call that, Adam? You call it LeBronto. You named the entire city after the man, LeBron James, and he owned these two fellas. He owned them. As much as we praise these two, he owned them in the playoffs. Made them look as if they were children. <laughs> children. Yeah. <sighs> they had just, no chance. It was, rough. it was rough for them for years. So yeah, Kyle and Damar, they spent all this time building up this buddy, like the best brotherhood in the NBA kind of relationship and like everybody, you know, rooted for them low-key and like they just had this super unique core of drafted players and LeBron James is there to put up their flame every single year. Didn't even care. I think they call him Lithanos for a reason. <laughs> Lithanos. And then, and then poor Damar gets shipped away. Yeah, I know. And in the roughest take of them all, DeMar DeRozan gets shipped away for Kawhi, for Kawhi Leonard, and that turns out to be the move that they needed. Kyle Not Lowry only, and him played well together, too. They played really well together. They did. They, have, they had amazing chemistry. I think, I mean, the number one thing that really held them back was the fact that DeMar DeRozan never developed an outside game while he was in Toronto. It mm-hmm. seemed like either he just wasn't asked to shoot threes or like he just made it not a part of his game at all. And like that was his biggest holdback. Other than that, um, his defense was pretty bad back then too. Kyle or Demar was pretty bad on defense, and he had to be hidden a lot of the times in the playoffs because he just he just couldn't stay on the floor, and that really hurt the Raptors a lot because then you're missing out on a 20, 18, 20 points per game score, who works perfectly with your point guard, but you just can't play him because he's getting <laughs> he's getting hunted. Mm-hmm. Like any any NBA podcaster that's like Zach Lowe or any of them will tell you it's. What LeBron does in the playoffs when he knows that you're not good on defense, it's bordering on bullying because of how bad he will seek you out and have his oh, yeah. team seek you out. Yeah, it's and they'll switch. On they'll, 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 they'll set screens to switch defender and force them to switch. And yeah, they exploit. Right. They exploit. I mean, that's Ugh. why That's why that knowledge just comes in handy so much. Right. And that, that guy is just incredibly knowledgeable. Um, did, did you see a... Uh, clip of DeMar DeRozan. He was on um, JJ Reddick's podcast not that long ago um, playing or talking about, you know, his time in Toronto. And 
JJ Reddick asked him, he was like, what was it like? He was like, I know it's tough for you to answer, but like, what was it like just losing to LeBron time and time again? And he was like, you know, it was tough, but sometimes you kind of just understood because we'd be out there on defense and we'd be playing ahead and LeBron would be on the court and he'd call out our plays. And a couple of times, I think it was LeBron had told CJ Miles of the Toronto Raptors where to go stand on defense. <laughs> LeBron straight out called out their play that they were running. Right. And then did the same thing on offense too. He told CJ Miles where to go stand on offense. And that's not the first person that's come out and said that about LeBron when they play him. <laughs> Is that not insane? Is that not insane? Yeah, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. At this point, the man's a cheat code in terms of his knowledge of the basketball game. It's crazy. I mean, it's a cheat code. And him being out of the East, that's why the Raptors took advantage. They had to take advantage. I don't blame him for the move that they made in the long run, but having a guy that's literally a cheat code in the playoffs against you every single season is not ideal. So when it's your time to strike, it's your time to strike. And that's what they did. They took down Giannis. They took down um, Philadelphia. Yeah, they Kyrie. took down Philadelphia. <laughs> Kyrie oh, choked out Kyrie. Or no, Milwaukee choked out Kyrie that year. Oh, yeah, that's right. My bad. Giannis is better than the playoffs than Kyrie. That's a hot take. Yeah, but, you know, Toronto sneaks in with that crazy shot, though, from Kawhi, man. That's a whole oh, different situation if that doesn't go in. That playoffs, the playoffs that year were wild, wild playoff run. And I mean, let's, let's not hide from the facts here. Um, I know that you've been a vocal critic of that championship run of the Toronto Raptors because I mean, they did play who was in front of them, obviously, but the Golden State Warriors, by the time they got to the playoffs were pretty damn hobbled. And had it not been for the presence of Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant, you have to think that... Warriors taking their third straight. If Clay doesn't go down, I think we see seven games. Yeah, yeah, because Kevin Durant is there. We definitely see seven games, and Toronto's losing that chip. I mean, it's true, though, because what was the last few minutes of game five before? Before Clay went down, Clay was beasting, yep. not just spot up shooting. He was taking complete control of the offense. Him and Curry were just yep. going off. And Toronto could not stop them. They literally could not stop them. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it is what it is, though. And they're still champions. I don't take that away from them because they still played hard as shit and they definitely yeah. deserved to win. 100%, they deserved to win um, because. I don't think Curry takes enough blame either for, you know, his failure to execute, you know, him and Draymond. I mean, they're proven champions alone as themselves. You know what I mean? So it's like, right. Where's, where's the blame where blame should be placed. And especially on the fact that Curry gets a look to force us uh, game seven. He misses. He misses it. And he got a solid fucking look, I believe off of a screen that, he normally hits, so the dude gets his look and misses. So where's the blame needs to be placed there, at, mm-hmm. uh, just as much as it needs to be uh, considered that you know what it could have been with Kevin Durant. Like they're equally as important. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, you know Kyle Lowry's running Toronto. Uh, 
culminates with a championship. Uh, Kawhi leaves. Uh, now we're at this point where Toronto is trying to make a decision on whether or not they completely invest in this core of Freddie Van Fleet and like OG and Siakam. Um, right. Or do they kind of hold on to Lowry as a veteran presence or do we just ship them away, you know, and try to get some young assets and some capital and maybe a big out of this and uh, try to try to move on to the next thing. Well, before we dry, before we start diving into the, 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 trade talks here. I think that it's likely that well, I don't know because my first instinct is that Toronto wants to hold on to Lowry. They want to hold on to him because one, he knows their system better than anyone that's going to be able to come in, obviously. But he's played it to perfection before. He can be the veteran presence that's needed on this team. Maybe he's the glue that's kind of holding it all together. I know the bench mob has a great relationship. Siakam, Van Vliet, Powell, Boucher, all those guys have great relationships together and definitely make this team a lot tighter than a lot of NBA teams are. But it just makes you wonder, like, they hold on to Lowry. Yeah, the center market has been pretty damn slim this last few months, but they could play it out to where maybe they find a panic trade for the Cleveland Cavaliers to get Andre Drummond off their hands and are able to kind of exploit that. I mean, I don't think you're sending Kyle Lowry in that deal though. I think they're sending other assets, but I don't know when it, when it comes down to it, it's just like Toronto could get two decent NBA looking centers that can play for them. And I'd say they're right back in the mix. They're right back in the mix. I think it's going to take more than just that. Just in terms of what they're facing down in the Eastern conference, uh, you know, with Milwaukee looking pretty good as of late, you have Brooklyn, which is just insane. I mean, I'm honestly at a point where I don't see, any team, regardless of the moves that they make in the Eastern Conference, being able to take this Brooklyn team down other yeah. than Miami. Other yeah. than Miami, just out of the sheer fact of Jimmy Butler. That would be Jimmy Butler willing that mm-hmm. with Bam Adebayo in tow. Unless they were to make a move for Lowry, which is uh, allegedly they're in hot pursuit. Then that gets real. If I if I'm if I'm Miami too, I'm in hot pursuit of Kyle Lowry as well because one, you get that defensive. That's what I mean. I, di- I mean, not defensive-minded point guard, obviously, but you know, just a great creator that's going to be able to open up that offense even more. He's a great three-point shooter. He's a proven playoff performer, and then you got three guys on the floor at all times that can pick up Kyrie, Harden, and Durant. You got three guys on the floor that are going to be able to check them on defense because you got. You got Lowry on on Kyrie. Then you can play Autobio on Durant, Butler on Harden. I don't see how that doesn't make them a matchup, a great matchup, because then you just got to Butler's going to switch between Harden and Durant when he needs to. Definitely. Definitely. Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure we saw Jimmy Butler picking up Anthony Davis on the perimeter in the NBA Finals last season. Yep. So Autobio's going to, Autobio's switchable. Yeah, that's what's beautiful about Miami. They're all switchable. They're all smart switching on defense. That's what made them a unit last season. 
in the in the bubbles. They were just these incredibly smart defenders. Plus, they still have Iguodala. Mm-hmm. They're running Iguodala in the playoffs. Definitely, he's your high, amazingly high IQ guy. Yeah, so Toronto, though, I think it's more than just a big, just in terms of what they're looking at, you know, like we just talked about there. Uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think it's just a matter of getting a big. I think that is important, though. I think they are going to need to establish that role to some degree uh, moving forward. Um, and it is going to be interesting to see because we're getting so close to the deadline now, uh, under a week away. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, Man, if this Lowry thing happens, it's really going to be a bombshell because it's going to be right here at the end of the deadline. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and you got Windhorse coming out on ESPN and saying that you know Miami's aggressively shopping uh, for him, and uh, we'll see how it turns out. But I know we had a couple other ideas as to where he would go. Um, mm-hmm. You want me to go ahead and just uh, dive into one of those? Yeah, we can go ahead and start here. All right. Uh, well. Since we're talking about Miami, I guess let's just kind of discuss what they could do if they were trying to get Lowry. Um, so, I and I know he's probably not wouldn't be a part of this deal, but would you move Drogic if it gets me Lowry? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I mean, we if got, it gets me Lowry. Yeah. So we got Goron, Harkless, Achua, and Robinson going for Lowry. But apparently Toronto wants two first and Harrow at least. Well, I don't know. They they want Robinson. They, they definitely they want, want Robinson. Him. I think I think that checks the box for him. But if they come back and say we don't want Duncan, we want Harrow, or if they come back and say we don't want Achua, we want Harrow, do you do it? I think that Toronto should be, or no, uh, Miami should one be selling high on on uh, Tyler Harrow because he could turn out to be something great. But I think they should be more bought into the idea that they have a star player who can take them to the finals, who can be a centerpiece, and that's Jimmy Butler. And he, Jimmy Butler has great chemistry with their star big. And you have a and great Tyler defensive Harrow's, big. Exactly. And like Tyler Harrow is just like, he's just a part of the system right now. Is all you can say. Yeah. Stylistically, he probably fits in there too, but he's just a part of the system right now. I'd say. So if they so, want Harrow in that deal, you Harrow is gone. But it also makes me wonder who else is Miami going to get? Is it just Lowry at this point? Are they maybe going to say, well, now since we're giving you both Robinson and Harrow, Maybe you send us Boucher or Pal does or Pal. I don't know. I don't know if that's, they're going to be able to demand that. I know, but apparently Pal's getting shot too. It depends on what's going back. I mean, uh, in terms of draft capital, I don't know, but I don't know that Boucher would be in there either. I just don't see the Raptors moving off of either Van Vliet or Siakam. Honestly, I think those are the two guys. that. Oh no, definitely not. Or OG. Yeah. OG. No, they definitely don't want to sell on OG either. No, yeah, no, it's if anyone's gone right now, it's Lowry or Powell. Uh, but I agree. I think Powell would be asking too much for Miami. Now, what if you were going to do something like, no, I had another one here for Miami. What if it was Igadala, Bradley, Achua? No, that's not it. 
Robinson. That could be that could be a package for them. I know they're trying. They're definitely shopping Bradley. I don't know where. It all went. depends on who wants him, though. I guess. I don't know where I went. Oh well. <laughs> I just I think that Miami's in an interesting position because they have some pretty somewhat desirable players that you could actually buy in buy into getting. You know, like I don't see what the problem would be for Toronto. I mean, yeah, even before we started recording here, we were talking about how. Robinson is a free agent after the season. He wants paid. So more than likely, any team that's going to trade for him is getting a rental unless he actually likes it there. Well, so, unless they actually want to pay him. He's oh yeah, that too. And I don't I don't know that Toronto has that kind of room. And I mean, maybe they do. I don't exactly know their cap situation, but perhaps they have enough money to extend Robinson. And plus, maybe with them getting him through a deal, they have some kind of access to his bird rights if Miami well, has that. They're always so going they're to the to, tax, too. I don't think that a lot of teams want to do that. I don't know that Toronto really wants to do that either. But if they have access to D- Robinson's bird rights, then they would be able to go over the cap to sign for him, which I'm not really sure of that situation. But I don't know. It's just, it's, it's interesting to see because Miami's that one contender that's definitely going to be making a move here and they want to make a move for something legit and they're not making a move for Victor Oladipo. Mm. If they're making a move for him, they've, they've pretty much are like, we're desperate. Get us something. That's a desperate move. Um, What if you're Boston? Are you looking at Lowry? Boston would be interesting for Lowry. And what's funny is 2016-17 offseason. Going into the 17-18 season. I made a prediction a long time ago before Kyle Lowry even signed his extension in Toronto. And that was that he would sign with the Boston Celtics and take a ride with their core. Now, imagine how crazy that would have been had the Celtics had Lowry instead of Kyrie. They would have run Lowry, Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford. That would have been a great lineup and they would have competed in the playoffs. Now it's just after the fact, almost Kyle Lowry, obviously plugging him in for Kemba Walker. If you're able to dump Kemba and you know, yeah. Cause with this situation, I don't think Toronto wants Kemba back. So maybe it's a three-way deal where Kemba gets dumped elsewhere. Uh, someone sends Toronto a big and picks up Kemba and then Boston gets Lowry. Cleveland. You know what I mean? Cleveland. Yeah. Cleveland, I think Drummond. Cleveland. Cleveland sends Drummond to Toronto. Lowry goes to Boston and Kemba goes to, to Cleveland. All those salaries are right around the same area too. Mm-hmm. I think that that could probably work. Somehow. Boston's got that trade exception too. Yeah. So that immediately helps them. Maybe Boston. I don't I know. I mean, the Boston trade exception is huge. Like- it could almost fit Lowry in and itself with the trade exception. Yeah. I know. So they could possibly like- do something with that too. And then just dump Kemba for, I just think that Boston would get too greedy. They always seem to be too greedy because they're like, okay, we want this, but we also want two first round picks. We also want four first round picks. We won't budge on our picks, but we want more. We we want yours. You know? Yeah. Danny Ainge is a stickler. He is. And what I hate always is that Boston always seems to be, oh, they were this close. They were a phone call away from making this deal. They were 10 seconds past the deadline, but the deal was there. Yeah, I know. It's like they like to flex about how many deals there were to be made, but they didn't. And it's like, right? Danny just got like he's he's got like acting like he has two phones all the time, just up to his ears, like he's just talking to everybody. Yeah, for real. 
It's crazy. Uh, what if... What if you're the LA Clippers? Are you gunning for Kawhi? Or are you gunning for Kyle Lowry to try to give him, uh, give him some revenge against LeBron James, potentially in the Western Conference Finals? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're, t- if you're Los Angeles Clippers, I think you're in low-key panic mode right now. I think you're in kind of, um, we need to panic a little bit. And you need to clear up your point guard rotation quickly or suffer the consequences. And the consequences are giving Lou Williams and um, what's his name? Pat Bev. Not Pat Bev. Their other point Luke Kennard. No, not him. Yeah, Terrence that would be risking Man. it too. No, the other guy. Reggie Jackson. Reggie, oh. Giving Reggie Jackson more playoff minutes. That's your, that's your absolute pitfall right there. Well, you know how you solve that? Near that. You know how you solve that? You trade all of them, dude. Pat Bev, Lou Will, Luke Kennard, and Reggie Jackson. Your entire guard rotation, excluding Terrence Mann for Kyle Lowry. And then you throw in a trade exception and it gets done. Does Toronto buy on that, though? Does Toronto even want that? Sure, maybe they welcome back Lou Will because Lou Will right out into the sunset in Toronto where he like started to get popular for the first time. Drake made a song about him. (laughs) Exactly. So he's just coming back home, essentially. If I'm Toronto, though, I'm probably cutting Patrick Beverly immediately. I'm shipping Pat Bev for something else. Pat Bev probably walks back up to the Clippers' front door and says, will you guys sign me again, please? Could be like a three-way deal again, though, where like, you know, Pat Bev gets shipped somewhere. Someone else sends something to Toronto. Like, I don't know. Some teams, a lot of teams could get involved in that to piece it up. Ship away Pat Bev's ass to the Himalayas. (laughs) <laughs> ship him right off to live with the abominable snowman. He needs to learn some morals, man. The dude's out here trying to injure people. <laughs> so for LA Clippers to get him, um, they could also they could also move Morris for salary, but I just don't see that happening, man. Like I just don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they want to move Morris because he's probably a bit too impactful in their core to really want to get rid of that guy. And what I was thinking too, I don't know if we've discussed this before, but Ricky Rubio is pretty unhappy in Minnesota. He probably wants to get bought out and find a new home. So imagine that the Los Angeles Clippers can completely move on from this point guard rotation they have and stifle it with Kyle Lowry and Ricky Rubio. Now, now I feel like people would be talking about them a little bit more because all of a sudden you have two guys that completely open up your offense. Yeah, a couple of smart players. Exactly. Um, and I think that's what they need. I and of course, Kyle Lowry fit backs in with Serge and Kawhi perfectly. So, right. Yeah. And then you give all the bench minutes to Rubio and let him run the offense instead of, you know, Nick Batum and <laughs> Luke Kennard. Yeah, for real. Ugh. Yeah. It'd be really interesting if he goes there. Um, you know, the Clippers start to look like a real legitimate playoff threat, in my opinion, if that happens. Because as of right now, uh, I'm not that impressed to be quite honest with you. Um, so if I was them, I'd be hunting Lowry. Um, it would just be really tough for them to get there. They're going to have to gut their team. Uh, they're going to have to, they're going to have to really try to sell some of these players and uh, it'd be tough to make it happen, but we could see, see if it can get done here before the deadline. Um, I'd say the best fit. It would probably be Denver or Philly. Um, Denver so let's look Philly. at Denver oh, first. Uh, 
Denver, I'd say, you know, Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., maybe Compazzo. I don't know who else who else goes in that for that deal. Uh, I think Denver wants to keep Compazzo. He's been interesting for them this season. He's made a couple good plays here and there. Although he's probably going to be useless in the playoffs because he's small. So maybe they do want to move on from him. Yeah, I just... Uh, Michael Porter Jr. would definitely get moved in that deal. Um but I like I like Lowry in Denver. You know, um, you got Lowry uh, at the point. You move Murray to the off ball position at the two guard. Um, mm-hmm. He can just run off screens and shit and just cut. Uh, he can obviously play on ball when he needs to as well. Um, Jokic and Lowry running pick and roll would just be ridiculous. Uh, dynamite. It'd just be absolute dynamite. Uh, helps sure up their defense uh, for sure in a postseason situation with Kyle Lowry there. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that would just be a phenomenal fit. Whether or not De- uh, Denver wants to sell on Porter Jr. If Toronto even wants Porter Jr. Unfortunately, that's the young piece that they have. Um, and you know, that's obviously if Toronto's out here telling uh, Miami they want Harrow, then they obviously want something you know, back like that from Denver too. Oh, yeah. So uh, whether or not Porter Jr. fits that bill for them, I'm not sure. And then, you know, I got Gary Harris in there for salary filler. And then after that, it just, I guess it depends on what Toronto really wants. Um, so we could see if that gets done. Cause that'd be really interesting for Denver. And that would be a really, that'd be a win now move. That'd be, you know, we're buying oh, yeah. into this. We're buying yeah. in hard. And you know, what's funny to me is that I feel like out of all the podcasts I've listened to and what we've talked about on ours as well, Where's Monte Morris's name in any kind of trade discussion? I'm surprised nobody are, is Denver taking calls on him. Have they ever taken calls on Monte Morris before? He seems to be a pretty good player to me. Somebody that could be that just, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's just in the perfect situation in Denver. Is there anyone calling for Monte Morris, I guess? Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, he's just a perfect backup point guard, it seems. Like, he's just a great backup point guard. Someone like the Los Angeles Lakers could use him. <laughs> yeah, Los Angeles Lakers could use a lot. Uh, yeah, if I'm Denver, I'm definitely I would go after Lowry for sure. Um, I'd be willing to sell on MPJ if that's what they want. I'm, I'm fine. Right. Take him. They'd probably mm-hmm. be relieved. <laughs> I know. I, mean? I know. I know. They just give him up and let him go ball out in Toronto, which would be seemingly, I don't know, just a good fit. Good fit for Michael Porter Jr. I don't know why. I think they can turn him. (laughs) They can turn him around. I think they can turn him around. Uh, They have a nice culture there. Uh, He could be that that guy that becomes the first option for Toronto, though. Because I was going to say that earlier about just keeping Toronto's core. They seem like they just need a guy that's going to really take up the scoring notch and not have to have Van Vliet and Siakam as your very first options. They mm-hmm. and having Porter Jr. there that could really clear that up. So maybe that works. That could work out. Maybe that's a deal we could actually see getting done here because it's kind of feeling like that or Miami to me. Yeah, but there's also Philly, man, and that's that's Kyle Lowry's hometown. Hometown. Uh, and yeah. if I'm Philly, I'm looking at Giannis. I'm looking mm-hmm. at Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie, and I'm thinking, I want Kyle Lowry on this team in the postseason. The fit between him and Simmons is a little weird, I'd have to admit. But oh my Not god, really. dude! Can you believe? Not really. Ima- I think I think it'd be a little bit. Can you imagine Lowry and Embiid though? Yeah, Lowry and Embiid would be amazing. Because I think that you have Simmons and they need to get Simmons' ass down on the block more often. They need to have Simmons playing the swing 
forward position more. Dunk and, spot. Exactly. And let and let Lowry take over the high point position. Let him take the ball up the, the court, take maybe half of Simmons's possessions out of his hands and let him just be a cutter. Let him be a like getting baseline cuts and stuff for easy baskets and like let Kyle Lowry just run the the orchestra and take over on defense for this team as well. I think he could be a really great fit there too. Now that I really think about it more and it's basically just another, you know, question of asking price. What yeah. is, what is Philly going to have to give up to get, to get Kyle Lowry. And I think what we need to consider is that Matisse Thibel is probably is someone that they're going to be asking. They're going to at least be asking about him to be thrown in there. Uh, I mean, Maxi, obviously, Milton, these guys you obviously want because they can seem like they can score points at a high level. But Philadelphia is going to have to trade on a good amount of their guard rotation, I feel like, to be able to get Lowry. Yeah, so what I got here is uh, Danny Green, basically, because salary, I mean, it's 15 million, and we're trying to get you know close to that 30 million mark that Kyle Lowry's at. So Danny Green, uh-huh. uh, Mike Scott, uh, Shake Milton, you're, you said the other day, you know, you'd sell high on Shake Milton uh, while you can mm-hmm. if you're Philly. Uh, and then you can either do Maxi or Thibel. Um, Toronto would probably want Thibel more than Maxi. Uh, maybe even both. I'm not sure, but probably probably would plug in Thibel instead of Maxi there, but you could go either way. Uh, I'm doing that if um, Philly. And there's other ways you could do it too, but that's the best way to do it without completely gutting your team. Uh, you are yeah. losing a young asset in Thibault or Maxi. Uh, but man, when you're staring down Brooklyn, what are you going to do? Like legitimately? I know. <laughs> what, can, what can you do? Because they just, they have all the good players. They have top heavy players. They have these insane, like th- three top 15 guys on the same team. Like nobody's competing with that. Right. Because and Brandon and Lowry that. gives you a chance. Yes, it gives you a chance, especially in the playoffs. It gives you a chance. And yeah. right now, I don't believe in this Philadelphia team going into the playoffs because crunch time, when they don't have Embiid, they don't look good. They're lost. Agreed. Even though even though Harris is stretching the floor, you know, and playing well and like slashing and they have them in his his perfect Doc Rivers role again. But they just they look lost. They look lost on the stretch and they looked bad in the, in the bubble. They looked really bad in the bubble without any of their point guard. Yeah. The, bub- the bubble was a disaster. <laughs> yeah. It was really bad for them. So they just, they need to be ready to make a, to make a move. And if Toronto is willing to accept a package from them, that is agreeable, then they should be making a move on it. Cause they're not, I mean, Philly won't move off Simmons. No, I don't think now. I don't think now because one, they realize how important Simmons is. And two, the only player that you want to give up Simmons for was James Harden. Kyle Lowry. And that didn't happen. And yeah, I don't think Kyle Lowry warrants that either. Not because he's not good enough, just because like what it does to your team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In terms of getting rid of Simmons, what it does to your team. Uh, so yeah, I don't think Simmons is gone in any any conversation, unfortunately. So if that's mm-hmm. Toronto wants. I guess that deal is just a non-factor. Then um, that's really all I had, though, in terms of prospective deals that truly make sense uh, and where he could potentially land uh, in terms of fit and just realistic ideas. Uh, 
So yeah, that pretty much does it for that. Um, glad we were able to take a look at Lowry's past though. Uh, and you know, mm-hmm. it'd be fun to see him get moved, but you know, he's also said he wants to retire as a Raptor. So it's very possible that this man is not leaving. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I keep thinking that in my heart too, because actually, uh, in our downtime here, I actually wrote down a couple notes and predictions for the, for the old NBA trade deadline that I'd like to go over here real quick. While yeah, we have yeah, some time. We can close out with those. So <laughs> let's see here. My very first note that says my predictions. No Kyle Lowry trade. None. Raptors get Drummond. Somehow. Because I'm thinking buyout. I'm thinking buyout for Drummond. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody wants to trade for him. I'm thinking buyout I don't think anybody wants to trade for him and pay that money for a guy that really isn't worth it. I bet they're signing the contract right now. Oh, God. Could you imagine? Probably. What if they signed it weeks ago and they just never made it public? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why he's been in Miami. Let's see. I also said there's a 30% chance a star gets traded because I I put it so low because I think that a lot of teams this season have been talking a lot of shit. And everyone's locked up. Yeah, everyone's locked down right now. Like you can't take on anything else. Like, and why would you? Because then you're just pummeling yourself into the tax. Um, my next prediction here, Bradley Beal gets traded during the offseason. Now it's come out lately that oh now the Washington Wizards are like oh we're we're buying in on this core that we have now with Westbrook because Westbrook's had like what four average games what a joke within the last month and now they're like oh, okay yeah we're committed to winning I think they're gonna let Beal ride it out and then when it comes to that exit interview at the end of the season he's gonna be like look guys I want to go somewhere mm-hmm. because all I'm hearing on Reddit right now is I don't know why people think that. Beal wants out. He he said he wants to win there and that he's committed to winning in Washington. And I'm like, okay, but that only realistically goes so far. I feel like that juice probably starts to fade away once you realize you're outside the playoffs again. Mm-hmm. Once you're looking at a pretty shaky next season, once you realize that it's you and an old Russell Westbrook on this team, and that's really it. You have no prospects. That's just, that's not good. Like, I think he's going to ask out over the offseason and do it in a respectable way. Yeah. I agree. I don't think he gets moved uh, during this season, but I think he's gone after that. And I'm saying San Antonio, baby. Oh, I know. I'd love to see that. That would, yeah, that deal would be fantastic. Would be fantastic. Sucks for tomorrow to have to go to, to the whiz, but like do it for Brad Beal and let that culture run of young forwards and guards that you have there and get a proven winner, winner there for pop. I don't know. This might not be pops last season. I think he's holding on. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what goes down in uh, San Antonio too, you know, coming down to the deadline, what's going to happen with Aldridge. You know, they said, uh, yeah, I know. they said if they can't find a trade partner, they were going to buy him out. So we could be hearing a buyout here within the next couple of days. And then, then you can start, you know, having the perspective on who you think could land them. Uh, I've heard Miami. I've heard, LA, both both LA teams. I've heard Portland. Uh, I've heard Golden State, which I actually think would be really interesting if Lamarcus Aldridge can, you know, be a little bit of his old self. They're gonna want him to shoot threes mm-hmm. from the corner. Mm-hmm. So, Stay in the corner and board. Yeah, so uh, you know, San Antonio is an interesting team here at the deadline as well. Uh, they, you know, they have Demar Derozan too, and it's like, what are we doing here? 
are we moving on? We got Rudy Gay even. Like, they could be an interesting team here within the next, you know, four days or whatever it is before the deadline. Mm-hmm. Things could really get interesting in San Antonio. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, you want to close this out with one more take? One more take here. Yeah, I got a good one. I got a good one. This is another one of my predictions. Lakers make a needed deal. And I say there's a 40% chance of this happening, but Lakers are going to make a deal before the end of the trade deadline. Someone. Aaron Gordon to the Golden State Warriors. Ugh. Ugh. I can't hate on that. Maybe it happens. Aaron Gordon to the Golden State Warriors. Happens. Oh, God. For the deadline. All right, that does it for us. As always, engage with us on Twitter at uh, PodDip and on Instagram at the Dip Pod. Uh, yeah. We always love engagement on social media. We appreciate all listeners from all over the world. We are global. All over the world. <laughs> we are global. <laughs> uh, you got anything else for him, Adam? Not really. Keep liking our Instagram page or pictures. I know we have a promoted post right now and we have a lot of likes on our recent pictures. So keep those going up. We like seeing it. We hope you guys follow us and you know give us a little bit more attention because we got we got good stuff on our Instagram here. And we're putting out more content. Um, get ready for a trade deadline breakdown coming up this upcoming week when we finally have some time to talk about what happens. So hopefully we'll be coming out with some more good content for you this week. We know that we're definitely excited to see what happens here. And all this NCAA tournament talk does is make me ready to lock in on the playoffs even more. Yeah, the playoffs this year are going to be nuts. I cannot yep. fucking wait for it. Uh, I'm going to love the podcast during that time. So that's going to be fun for sure. And we're having lots of fun right now. I'm going to be tuning in to that uh, Portland and Dallas game here tonight at 10 o'clock Eastern. Uh, Probably going to hit the gym first before that, man. So I got to run. Oh, man. Man. (laughs) He's getting out of here. He's showing in the hustle every night. Yes, sir. You got to keep grinding. (laughs) So, all right. Thank you. As always, we're out. Peace.